Welcome to Deep Natter. In this episode, we're talking about the importance of physical spaces and how they can influence not just how, but even what we make. We also take the plunge into talking a little about NFTs, which hopefully will inspire not only listener interaction, but also more conversations about it in the future. Here we go. What are we nattering about today, deeply? <laughs> Gosh, I've, I've got deep in me. Let's see. Uh, um, tell us about your studio, your studio space, because uh, you gave me a little tour the other day. It's coming along really well. And, uh, you know, five years in, the, 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 the brief backstory is when we bought this house, uh, it's got a really generous downstairs basement that basically covers the whole footprint of the house. And there were two rooms at the north, southeast, west, east side of the basement uh, that the former owner used for his wood shop. Uh, and they, they have double doors adjoining them. And one, one room was his actual wood shop where he made everything. And the other room was wood storage where he stored all of his stock. And when we first looked at the house, I was like, oh man, day one day one. These are, these are going to be my spaces. You know, Adrian's like, look, you can have the entire downstairs, whatever you want to do. And I'm like, great, 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 great. First day I'm going to, I'm starting to turn these into studios. Well, fast forward five years and it, it still hasn't <laughs> happened. <laughs> but, uh, uh, over new year, in fact, new year's day, we installed carpeting in the podcast portion of it, the, the, the digital side of it. Cause I've got basically two sides. One is where I do all my painting. Uh, and that's pretty well done. We had drywall done and we had wiring done and we had fixtures put in and all that kind of stuff, all the stuff that, that is well beyond my pay grade. And then the other side, the, the digital side, the podcasting side, we installed carpeting on uh, New Year's Day. And also we, uh, we got the two of the walls painted this beautiful, deep, deep gray. It's called satin black, but it's, it's a deep gray. And then uh, I've got drawings now done for how I'm going to do these poplar plywood panels that will cover the other two walls, which are currently cinder block. Mm -hmm. So they'll be insulated with, uh, like, do you guys have the, the pink insulation foam, the rigid insulation foam in the UK? It's probably a different color, but it, it's that, that rigid insulation. You can cut it and shape yeah, it yeah, and all that I kind of stuff. Mean, yeah. uh, so I'll have pink insulation foam behind each of those, which should help with. Uh, it gets a little cool down there because it's below grade. And then uh, I've got the panel designs for that done. And I've got the panel designs for the ceiling, which get um, covered in black industrial felt. And then they've got insets for four color changeable LED panels as, as my overhead lighting, which will mostly be down pretty low. But, you know, it's going to be such a cool space. Very cool. I mean, you've had your paint side on the go for a year now yes paint, the paint half of it yeah and I, I was thinking about this the other day with you i thought i mean there, were, there was a point last year where your production went through the roof yes uh, and did that coincide with you coming out of your little your little corner room where you were trying to paint in that cramped space to actually have in the space yes a hundred percent yeah i was painting on a little stretch of countertop 
opposite the washer and dryer in the laundry room. Yeah, and it's, it was tiny because you did, you did live streams in there for a while. Like it was literally <laughs> yes. crammed up on a little, pe- what would you say, like like four feet of, Maybe. of countertop yeah. next to a sink behind, yeah. in front of a washer and dryer, like trying to have all your paints and, and, and a canvas and everything else that you needed to work. Oh, and, and not to mention the, the, the incredible light that was in that room oh, <laughs> from the yeah. one bare bulb yeah, <laughs> hanging yeah, from the yeah. ceiling. <laughs> Which was like, I think they call it fierce yellow. In the, like, in, right, in the right, right, right. Down. Yeah, it looked like a scene out of seven or something. It was really not conducive to making. Yeah, yeah it did. It corresponded to that. Yeah, we had that work done and I got the walls painted. Uh, the, the color is even called gallery white. It, I wanted this this clean white box that I could just make my own. And uh, I installed these rails on the west wall where I can hang multiple canvases, mm. not just to, to work on, but I find that if I hang, if I'm working on a set or I'm working on uh, a, a series or a sequence of, of paintings, I like being able to look over and see the earlier work to see kind of where that work has come from. It helps where the new work is going, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's been night and day. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's, um, it seems to, because you've had that dedicated space and you've sort of, that, that's now where you go to paint and you have space to do everything you want and to lay everything out, I think is probably a, a key thing I've seen you do as well. Like you, you working on, I think it's the first time you worked on sets of images at the same time as well, right? Yes. Well, I didn't have the space. Well, that's, but that's the thing. It's like (laughs) a tiny little area. I I think I'd underestimated as well, like how, how important having the right space is. And I'm not suggesting like everyone should get themselves a space because I know that not everyone can. Like I just moved up to a part of the country where I have a lot more space, but I I left a tiny London flat where I had no space. So I, I know that most people can't necessarily have that dedicated space, but if you can get access to space like that. I mean, I've, I've experienced it in small ways as well. Having that space that's your creative space or workspace that is fit for purpose makes you more productive. And I think I've always underestimated that. I did as well. I absolutely did. And you, you are exactly right. And, and there, is a, there is a thing that happens, I think, at least it does to me. I don't know if it happens for you or for anybody who might be listening, but there is a thing that happens for me. And, and we were talking about this the other day where when I walk down the stairs, there's a temperature shift between the upstairs and the downstairs. So it feels right off the bat, it, it physically feels like a different place. It feels like a different environment. Mm-hmm. And then when I go back into that room, I go into my full Mr. Rogers thing. I put on my, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I put on my, my, uh, my apron Please or I have you a, sing a little song while you're doing it. I do. And it's lovely. Actually, <laughs> it's going to be released as special edition of this show. I love it. <laughs> um, I have an, uh, you know, a paint tattered hoodie that I put on. So I, I physically try to change myself so that I get into the habit of being in that space to make. That's not a time wasting space. It's not a, it's not a noodling space. It's not, if I want to read a book, that's not where I go. If I want to think about doing, that's not where I go. The thinking currently happens upstairs in this room that I'm at right now, but will in fact happen next door. So that, as you said at the beginning, they're purpose built. They are, they are spaces that have a singular purpose. And if I don't want to be working, I really want to keep myself out of those spaces because I want to train myself that when I'm in there, that's when work happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, 
I'm, I would imagine that when you've got this podcast space, this this audio studio next door filled out, it's it might have a similar effect on your podcasting and how you think about it. I hope so, because I, I if I'm being really honest, I have been very disappointed in myself as a podcaster the last couple of years. Really? Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I haven't been nearly as prolific outside of this show as I could, should, wanted to be, but I just got in my own way and, and, you know, scheduling was hard. I'll be honest. Scheduling was hard with, with COVID, Mm -hmm. but certainly two years in that can't be an excuse anymore because life does go on. And, and the people that I want to talk to are making work. They're not just, you know, sitting home waiting for the world to get back to normal. They're, they're at it. They're, they're making work. They're they're writing, they're painting, they're making films, they're photographing, you know, whatever it is, making music. And it is in the works. I mean, there are a bunch of, of recordings that are either scheduled or in process of being scheduled. So it will be a much different 22. And I think I had to get to that point of being so frustrated with myself. I was no longer hearing, and, and it, we've talked about this a number of times, a big part of why I have these conversations is they're the conversations I want to hear. Mm-hmm. I release them, certainly you know, for an audience, but I have the conversations because I genuinely am interested in these people that I'm talking to. And it had to get to a point, I think, where the frustration of, of not doing it became overwhelming. Yeah. And I have to get out of my own way. And it's, it's, that's happened, you know, throughout my life with a number of, of different endeavors. I have to get to that point of frustration of not seeing the thing or hearing the thing or, or making the thing to get out of my own way. And I hope that 22 will be, if not dramatically different, you know, certainly different than, than 21 or even 20. Do you, I mean, I, I find that interesting because, I mean, the, the other side of it is you've, you've probably recorded more podcasts under your own name in the last couple of years than at any other time. Do you, do you also, on top of feeling disappointed at yourself, celebrate those kind of things? Sort of. I mean, I, I guess so. Uh, probably not as much as I should. I mean, I, I'm not recording as much as I did with, with Bill recording on Taking Pictures. I mean, that was, you know, six and a half years of my life, mm-hmm. uh, over 300 episodes every week. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was, a, that was a marathon. In terms of recording. I mean, we, we recorded, you know, almost a thousand hours of content. Yeah. Oof, there's that word. Content. <laughs> sexy, but, sexy content. I know. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, I mean, y- you know me well enough to know that giving myself credit for anything is not where I initially land. No, I, but, but then again, like you, because the, the story is that, you, you know, you, you and Bill had a great run with a great show that people yeah. really enjoyed. It came to what felt like a pretty natural conclusion. Um, and then you had a choice to, to, to go on and keep doing your own thing or not. And obviously this is something you love. So you, so you kind of had to rebuild again because your schedule had to be built from scratch because that schedule was in place already and was working. And now it was all on your shoulders. It wasn't split between you and somebody else. Right. And from my vantage point, you've done that pretty successfully and are getting better all the time. But from your vantage point, you're disappointed. Like that's just that's just what I find interesting. Is like that there's got to be a little part of you that goes, actually, I'm getting there because that's that's what I see. 
I am getting there, but it's it's also a moving target. In fact, Bill and I recorded the other day and we were talking about mm, this. I listened. It was great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, the fact is, and you, so you listened, so you, you heard this part. If we started on taking pictures today, yeah, it wouldn't be nearly as successful as it was mm-hmm. starting in 2012 because a couple things. The podcast appetite has moved on, but there are also just so many things to listen to. There's so much competition yeah. for the same 24 hours in a day. Yet the whole landscape's changed. Yeah. The whole landscape has changed. The way advertising works has changed. The way networks uh, treat you has, has changed. The type of podcast that people listen to. I mean, I think we've, we've talked about this before. Five, depending on when and how you look, but when I was doing research recently, five of the top 10 are true crime, nine of the top 20 are true crime. And then that's supplemented with, you know, comedy podcasts or, or news podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of a podcast where it's two people talking, unless you're a celebrity, is not at the top of that list. You're, it's, it's, a, it's a competition. You really are competing for ears. And, and so I'm not nearly savvy enough to know what's around the corner and what people are going to want. So I have to double down on what I want to do. Yeah. I have to double down on the kinds of conversations that I want to have with the people that I want to have them with and hope that an audience finds it, enjoys it, uh, engages with whoever it is that, that I'm talking to or with or about. And, and that's all I can really do because I don't know what else to do. I couldn't begin to put together a true crime podcast. It's just not my wheelhouse. I couldn't, I couldn't do a comedy podcast like Rogan or something or, or go ahead. But thank goodness you're not tempted to do that because I think like that you saying that your choice is just to make the work you want to see more of in the world is, is I think what everyone should be doing. And I think anyone who looks at the landscape and goes, well, what, what quote unquote works and I'll just do that thing, even if I'm not good at it because I'm trying to hack the system. Mm -hmm. I think that's a business decision, not an artistic decision. And, and for me personally, that would be a lack of integrity if I chose that direction. Because I would be saying that what I have to say or what I want to see in the world is irrelevant. What, what would be successful and get me some fame or fortune is all I care about. Yeah. And then I, I don't really have a voice. I'm not offering anything new. I'm just trying to work out how to, how to steal audiences from stuff that's already happening by being a, a, a pretty poor copy of, of what other people are doing better. Right. There's, there's none of me in that. Right. And I, th- I think the fact that you don't think the other stuff is an option is a saving grace, really, because I think it's, some people do think that's an option and they don't necessarily have the integrity to call themselves on that or at least ask themselves why they're, why they're doing that. Why are you just going on to try and hack the system unless it's a business thing then then fine good for you if it's just about you know making some money and trying to do stuff and it's not about what you have to say then then sure do your thing but i think you're i mean you're not that person at all you don't have that bone in your body um and and thank goodness for for my money because like you say your your podcasts are the podcasts i like to listen to as well so if you did decide to go off and do that i'd lose the stuff i like listening to and everyone else who listens to this would feel the same. Oh gosh, Jeffrey went off and did a rubbish true crime podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, you know? to be fair, I listened, to, I've listened to a, a few of them and they're really good. Oh yeah. They are really, there are some really fantastic podcasts out there. Absolutely. I, I listen to some of them. Yeah. And the people that are doing them are just as passionate 
and committed to that type of podcast as I would like to be to my type of podcast. But that's the difference, isn't it? It's, it's the people who do the best true crime podcasts are journalists and they do it so well and they are at the top of the pile because it's definitely who they are. Right. They are interested in that. They're fascinated by people and the dark things that happen in society and presenting that in a, in a compelling narrative. Like that's, that's, that comes out of who they are. That's why they're at the top of the pile. But I bet you for everyone in those top 20, there are a thousand that are rubbish with people who don't, that's not their interest, but they're just trying it because they think it quote unquote works. Yeah. Trying to capitalize on, on yeah. the theme. Yeah. I, I would love to, in fact, I just, I just reached, well, I didn't reach out. I, I tweeted somebody there. There's an author. Oh gosh. I want to get his name right. So I don't mess it up. David McCloskey, mm-hmm. who has written a book called Damascus Station, which is a, like a spy novel, espionage novel. Mm. And it's, it's getting really great notes. I mean, there's some great quotes about it and the reviews are good. And I could never do, I could never write a book like that. I could never do a podcast like Secrets and Spies or something like that. But what I would like to do and what I said in this tweet was, I would love to have a conversation with you about how you went about doing the research for this book. Mm, Yeah. Who did you talk to? How did you present yourself? How do you get people to go on record about spycraft and tradecraft and all of these things that are supposed to be behind this curtain, but you need to know what's going on behind that curtain to make your book compelling, to make your book accurate? I think that would be a fascinating conversation. That's great. Yeah. Sounds brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I have a huge interest in these kinds of things. I just don't have the journalistic skill set to bring those to light, but I would love to be behind the scenes of talking to the people who do and finding out what goes into it. Because it fits who you are. You are a naturally curious person who has interests in in various different things and and especially anything of a creative bent. So you asking those questions of yourself means you, I mean, like we said, we walked around, we walked around Paris on that one trip. Do you, and you ended up asking people about the most random stuff, you know, like, it's just, like, and they would talk about it. Absolutely. Because no one asked them and you sounded genuinely interested. And that's what makes you good at what you do. Like mm. you, you're not a, I don't, I don't think of you as like a, you know, a journalist who's going to go and dig out a story from 20 years ago and do a massive deep dive and present it yourself. But you want to talk to people because you come up with great questions. So anything you do in that world in a podcast is genuinely who you are and will work on those terms. It might not be in the top 20, but it will work on those terms and you'll always have right. a dedicated fan base because because I think I think that kind of, I can't find another word, so forgive me, but that kind of authenticity attracts a crowd. People want right. to be around somebody who, who is presenting a real part of themselves that they can't suppress and brings them joy just because that's great to be around. And you are somebody who likes to talk to people, whether there's a mic on or not, who wants to know things about their life or their world or, and, and work out how it's different from yours and because you genuinely are interested. That one, that's what makes you a great podcaster for my money. Mm, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard with the landscape changing so much, you know, and the same thing with art now. I mean, art is going through this, this massive change. You can't, you can't log on to Twitter or Reddit or Instagram or, you know, any other forum that's talking about art and not have multiple conversations around NFTs going on. (laughs) And I, I get that there's some interesting aspects to them. 
but you're talking about the financial side of art, not the creative side of art. Man, I've been spammed in the last week with people. Have you really? Get me onto NFTs. It's been, there's obviously some kind of push going on at the moment. I've had companies contacting me, asking me to submit images with them. So they'll load them up for me. I've had individuals like trying to get, you know, oh, who, who else do you think? Do you, don't you think you guys that, that at Sean Tuck should get on and don't, like a bunch of people coming to Twitter? Yeah, he should also do it. He should do it like pressuring, like people DMing me. I don't know what happened in the last couple of weeks, but people are going nuts with NFTs at the moment, trying to push. It's almost like it's, like, it's not interesting to me at all. Um, I know people who it's working very well for and good for them, but I, I'm not interested personally for my own reasons. But it's right. it's a very very weird space right now. I, I don't really, I feel very old. I feel very like I don't I do, really, I, know, right? <laughs> I just don't really like, Yeah. what are these crazy kids up to? That's how I feel. It's like, what on earth are you doing guys? Like, you know, it's just. Yeah. Everybody uh, around us has, you know, disc man or, or CD yeah. players. And we're still walking around with, you know, hoisting, you know, these giant cassette players on our shoulders or something. I'm pulling a shopping cart with my vinyl player and a, and a tube app, you know, like, like, like sleep me alone. Daddy likes his music. Like, like, yeah. No, I don't get it. I think there will be some interesting things that come out of it. I just, there is such a rush to get on board and it feels like this weird sort of digital Ponzi scheme where I'm in, so you have to come in and then you've got to bring other people in yeah. and then you've got to get them to bring other people in. Again, fair play to anybody who, who is getting their work seen or, or quote unquote collected, but it seems like it's passing money around and it's, it's wanting to raise awareness around Ethereum and the blockchain yeah. more than it is about the art. Well, and, and that for me is especially true because of the amount of people who are creating NFT specific art that would never go on their own website mm -hmm. because it's not that interesting or good, but because it's quirky and digital, people will collect it. And that I find interesting as well. Like there's a lot of people who are doing that. Like, oh no, I wouldn't really put this. This isn't really like work, work, but it's like, it's an interesting little animation and I know people will throw a lot of money at it. And I'm like... I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest. Like I know, I know it's, it's, it's dangerous talking about this stuff because we're now going to get a ton of emails trying to, trying to tell grandpas how to actually, how NFTs work. But like, <laughs> I'll be honest, like I, I haven't got good answers, and I have looked into it not to get involved, but just to understand it, um, personally. And I still can't understand. No one can explain to me what people are buying really, because it doesn't sound like it's the rights. It's kind of the ownership, but you can still use the image as the person who created it. So who cares? I don't understand what you're owning and it feels too, and this is, this is a personality thing. Like everybody's different. I, I've never, I've never bought into stocks, for example, mm -hmm. personally, and that kind of stuff, because I, I'm too conservative minded when it comes to money. And I have, I'm, I, it, to me, that feels like fancy gambling and I'm just not that personality. I, I mean, some people do it for fun. Some people do it responsibly and that's fine, but it's just never been in my makeup to go, I'm going to take uh, money or anything else, I'm going to throw it at something and hope the value goes up and not down, that I get more back and I don't lose it. That's just not in me. And I feel like that's all that system is, is this fancy gambling. It's going, hey, I'm going to offer you an image that I don't really care about. And I'm going to put a stupid price tag on it in this blockchain and an and, and amount of Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever attached to this that I think it's worth 20 grand. And someone's going to buy that, not because they care about the piece, but because they think that it will go up in value, not down over time, and they're going to make more money from it. And you know what? They might, and I might, 
but they also might not and I might not because no one really knows where that goes because it's, it's not a stable thing, is it? So it's, it's the ownership thing and it's the fancy gambling aspect. I've just never really, and of, and of course, obviously I've got concerns as everyone else has about, about the ecological impact this seems to have as well. Um, it just for me is, I, do, I don't get it. And, and everyone I talk to, you just get people who are trying to like convert you, don't you? It's, it's almost like a religious thing. They suddenly get very, very animated trying to tell you why it's brilliant. And then you get people on the other side going, as animated, telling you why it's evil and it's the devil. I don't really think it's either. Um, yeah. If it works, it's for very. You're, you're right, you, though. It's very polarizing. The response polarizing. I mean, I can't. I can't really get too passionate about it either way. Honestly, it's not for me personally. But I mean, if it works for you, brilliant. And I, I've got good friends who it's working very, very well for, and good for them. I'm very happy for them. Um, and I've got friends who who think it's the devil and and are blocking fellow photographers for even getting involved, which I think is a really odd position to hold i don't really understand it's not your business what they do surely but yeah that's 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 how polarizing it actually is at the moment hmm. yeah i mean can you imagine you know if if you found out that an artist or photographer friend made a book and you went oh man that's it we're done <laughs> i can't I mean, support yeah. you if you've decided to make a book rather than just going i i, I don't want to make a book yeah, not not for me, not for me. Not like I hate you and will never speak to you now. How dare you? That just seems a little over the top. I yeah. mean, that it just gets turned so quickly. I mean, it's the kind of climate we're in, isn't it? Though, like disagreement yes. can't just be disagreement anymore. It has to immediately be turned into some kind of moral battle. Yeah, where everyone's trying to climb on their high horse and 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 cancel or cut everyone else out. And I just I have no time for that anymore. I really don't. Like if you can't treat everybody with compassion and like human beings and have disagreements. I mean, you're the only people I don't have time for genuinely, right. because I, I don't understand that kind of moralizing. It feels like it's far more about you and your ego and proving you're better or superior to other people than it is about, because what business is it yours, how other people choose to live their lives. Like you don't really have a say, um, but it just, it, it, it's such a strange, yeah, the whole moral high horse thing. I have no time for anymore. You're right, though, and it is across the board. Everything goes to 11 now, immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the biggest, well, not the biggest, but one of the big problems I have with the, the NFT community is the relentless evangelizing of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's most a clubhouse, isn't it? It's just... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of the reasons I, I stopped using clubhouse. Yeah. And certainly calling yourself an NFT photographer. Oh, gosh, do people do that? Wow, that's interesting. I'm an NFT photographer. That seems like a strange claim. I mean, it's so early days. I feel like there's no way it will look like this in 10 years. I, I don't know what it'll look like. I mean, either it will, it will just evaporate and we'll all be a little bit embarrassed, or it will be a huge thing and we'll all go, oh, geez, I really should have done that. Um, <laughs> I should have done that earlier. Right? Yeah, and I can't, I can't really see which way it's going to go. But I've just always had this idea that I'm not going to get involved with something I can't understand. Mm -hmm. And I can't understand it. No matter how many people try and explain it to me, I have more questions than answers. And I'm not going to put my work out there on a platform where those questions are going to be coming at me from customers or people who, who are asking me why I'm doing what I'm doing, who follow me in other places. And I don't have those answers and can't confidently understand it. I'm not in because I just think you have a responsibility at a point to be able to answer for the decisions you make, not just while well, everyone else was doing it. So I thought I would, 
or hey, people seem to be getting rich quick on this. So I thought it's not a good reason. Like I don't, I don't understand enough. And and I've, I've still, and I've listened to podcasts and I've watched YouTube videos and stuff and I've listened to friends talk about it. I, I still have more questions and I've got answers. So for now I'm, I'm out, you know. I would love to have a round table. I would, I really would. Both sides, if, if both sides of the equation could agree not to evangelize or vilify to the other party, you know, don't simply tell me why I should or shouldn't. And don't tell me I'm evil because I do or don't. Let's have a conversation about the why and about what this thing actually is and what it could be. Because I'll be honest with you, there are a couple aspects of it that I think sound interesting. You know, uh, was it, I think it was Gary V who was saying that, you know, let's say you, you, you make an NFT of this new piece of work and included in the NFT is uh, the ability to come to the artist's studio and have a portrait done of you. Of you. Mm-hmm. In, you know, by buying this NFT, you, you get access to that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I get the idea of, of kind of perks that could come along with it that extend the value of it. But I guess my biggest question is, why couldn't you do that with anything else? Why couldn't you say, hey, if you buy this print or if you buy this photo book or if you buy, like, why does it have to be tied to this nebulous digital token rather than something that's already available? You know, and the argument that, well, NFTs allow you to support the artist. Well, you've been able to support artists for hundreds of years. This is not new. (laughs) You're just not supporting an artist hoping that Ethereum is going to go up in value so that you make something by, by supporting them. It, that, the why has changed, I think. I mean, if you want a portrait, like come book a portrait with me, it's going to cost you a lot less than an Ethereum. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> right, that's right. the fact. If that's what you want, pay for it. We have a system. It's called the economy. Like you, you pay for something and I give you something. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just, you don't have to pay stupid amounts of it that might turn into nothing tomorrow. And I understand the argument, you know, all currency fluctuates and everything, but not not like this. This is this is unknown territory, and it's a huge gamble. It absolutely is a huge I don't think anyone would deny that. Yes, there's definitely a big gamble involved because we don't know what happens. It could it could skyrocket in value or it could tank. You've, we've watched Bitcoin for a while. We know what happens. Like it, it goes up and down and, oh, yeah, it's going up at the moment. Brilliant. But does it always? I don't know. Probably not because nothing does. So what happens then? I don't know. I'd, I'd rather, and and that, I understand that is my conservative personality talking, going. I'd rather, I'd rather play it safe. If I, if I could, if I could stuff my mattress with money and just leave it there, like I probably, I'd probably be that guy. <laughs> just because, like, I, I understand that. You know, why does this mattress crinkle so much? Yeah, no yeah, worries. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just don't move. <laughs> You're creasing my bills. That's yeah. Like, but I mean, I understand that I did, I did work and I got, I got, I got paid X amount and that means I can, I can buy X amount of food or pay my, my mortgage or whatever it happens to be. Like, I know what that means, but what, I'm going to give you something that doesn't mean as much to me. And then you're going to pay me stupid amounts of money. And, but that interaction might mean a ton more later. It might mean nothing later. And neither of us know no, I'm out. That's too, that's too, that's too confusing to me. If it were more of a sure thing, could you, could you sign off on it more easily? Or is it still the, the, the nebulousness of the, of the thing that is in question for you? 
if if the transaction and the and the stability of the currency in quotes currency yeah uh was more more stable it, it, it still wouldn't really work for me i mean obviously the eco- ecological thing aside like that obviously doesn't work for me um apparently the it it taxes the environment hugely in terms of power consumption to actually mint these things um mm-hmm. again like i'm just i'm repeating secondhand stuff i don't i don't understand that or know about it it's just what i've heard so i like i might be completely wrong but that is what i've heard but it's more to do with like if you want to what why does it need to be that nebulous thing if you want to buy a piece of art from me then buy a piece of art from me with money because we know what that is and we 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 know that that's far more stable and it's a real thing i'm also really confused as to why like if if i decided okay i'm going to i'm going to sell a signed and editioned A1 print, a one of one, say. Like, it's the only one I'm ever going to print of that print, of, of like a, a picture that I'm well known for. I still probably wouldn't be able to sell that for as much money as someone is willing to pay with Ethereum just for, just for pretend ownership of a JPEG. Yeah. And that's mad to me. Yeah, that's that's mad to me because, like, I I'm going to give you a physical rare thing. I've done the scarcity thing. I've given it a one of one edition. Right. It's it's a nice print. It's signed, and and I'll meet you and shake your hand and take your portrait as well. There is no way I talk you into giving me an Ethereum's worth of value for that print. So I'm I'm confused. What is an Ethereum worth now? I don't even know. I have no idea. It's a it's it's a, it's a few thousand dollars. You're not giving me a few thousand dollars for that print. But but you will pay a few thousand dollars for ownership of, of something because ownership of the idea of that image, even though I still get to use it as the photographer and but you technically own it. But you don't really get anything from it. And and that's and you're happy with that. I still don't understand why people are so keen on these things. I, I can't get my head around it. I know I probably sound like a like a like an ignorant moron but like i genuinely can't get my and honestly i think there are a lot of people like me who also have these questions as well though is like i I, i'm i'm not really sure what's going on and i I really have asked but i can't get my head around that side of it if you want to if you want to support me as an artist buy art from me with money and buy real art from me something physical that you can own and be proud of um yeah i'm just it's too nebulous to me it's just too nebulous yeah $3,700 $3,700 currently, one yeah. of Ethereum. So imagine, what would I have to do to get someone to pay $3,700 for a print? Like, I mean, and that's a real thing I'm selling you. I frame it for you. Be a nice, right. big, one-of-one one framed print for three and a half, three and a, well, $3,700. I, I personally would struggle to, to talk and, and like if, if I suddenly went on a YouTube video and said, hey, by the way, I've got this one of one print up $3,700. Let's go. I'm not sure I'd sell it. I might do, but I'm not sure I would. But if I went into NFTs, I would imagine I probably would sell a few. And, and I don't know why people are more enthusiastic about this. It, it, to me, it just is. It, it is linked to the it is linked to the the kind of gambling aspect of it. It must be, it must mm-hmm. be scratching that itch. It must be going, Hey, it's not really about that piece, but because people kind of know who you are, Sean, maybe this in- increases over time and I get more money out of it. Well, then you're just piggybacking off a piece of art that I've made. So you can hopefully make money for yourself later. It's not really about what you bought. 
No, it's entirely speculative on what the value will be. And the value of the idea of owning something, not a physical thing. And and I I just I just don't want to get involved with the game. It does feel like a game to me, and I'm just not that interested. Again, I think I I would love someone to do a psychological study, um, and and poll people who really think NFTs are a great idea, and also how they feel about gambling in general. Because I'm I'm convinced there would be a very high correlation with personality types who like risk, who enjoy who enjoy that gambling aspect of things. I'm not talking about like unhealthy gambling. It might be the fact that you're completely responsible with it. It's just, does that scratch that itch for you in general? Then NFTs are probably for you. I bet there's a very kind of, a very easy curve to plot with personality types and how much you want to get involved in that world. And I'm just not, I'm the opposite end of that, unfortunately. Right. It's not interesting to me. It it sounds, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you would almost be offended if someone if someone was willing to pay $3,700 for an NFT of, of an image of yours, but not willing to pay that same amount for this beautifully crafted print that's been framed and so, like, it, it sounds like there would be uh, some personal offense there. Like you would, you would take umbrage with that decision. Oh no, not at all. No, I'd, I'd feel guilty. I'd feel like, ah, okay. I, I, like and this is going to sound horribly patronizing, but I, it's too late for that, isn't it? So, <laughs> I, um, Go on, I would feel guilty that I'm taking advantage of somebody who who thinks this is a cool game, and mm. I'm taking I'm taking your money. I, I would honestly, I, I put it in the same thing as like it, I, I'm taking advantage of someone who say might have issues around that kind of risk taking mentality. And and they're willing to give me money because they want to they want to bank on that. And yes, of course, in their head, they're also supporting me as an artist. That's lovely. But then everything tanks tomorrow, and I walk away, and I took your money. I feel really, really bad because you've got nothing. Right, you're, you're left with nothing. You know, um, and 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 I took a lot of money from you. I'd I'd feel very bad. And again, that's the that's the the flip side of that gambling thing is I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of someone taking big risks for themselves and they necessarily couldn't afford. I, I just don't want to be in that world, really. It, it makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wonder, is there, a, is there a correlation for you between this and something like Patreon where many, I won't even say most because I don't know statistics, but many Patreon users uh, a lot of them do extras, yeah, yeah, tiers of well, if you if you support me at this level, you get this, and you support me at this level, you get this, and you get these extras here. Do you feel the same way about that? Is that a similar kind of response? Because then people are sort of paying for the extras and not necessarily the work that ostensibly they came there to support. No, it's totally different for me. Is it? I, I did actually put together a whole uh, Patreon account that I just never hit live on. Like I'm, I'm fine with that because I'm being upfront with you about what you're giving me and what you're getting. I also wouldn't mind, by the way, just, just setting up a Patreon and going, Hey, you don't get any rewards. This is just, if you feel like supporting me, because there's no gambling aspect to it. There's no, Hey, if you give me this money, it might turn into 20 times as much. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) It's, It's nothing like that. You, you know what the deal is. The deal is um, hey, if you give me 50 pounds a month, you also get an hour one-on-one with me every month. And, and it's basically you're paying for a service. It's why I didn't hit live because I realized I was creating an entire new job for myself by fulfilling mm-hmm. all these reward tiers. But no, I mean, I, I've got, for example, 
channel memberships on my YouTube channel. So if people want to support the channel, they can hit the join button on that channel page and they pay like $5 a month, I think it is. And I get three of those dollars and YouTube gets two because of course that's fair. Um, and then that's how, <laughs> that's how people get to support me. But you don't get anything for that. Like the only right. thing I, I say you get for that is that I will let those people know a week before everybody else when workshops are going up so they get first pick to book. That's all you get, but that's all I'm promising you. So you know the deal, you know what it's about, and everyone's very, very clear about what the exchange is, which makes me feel very comfortable. And I love the idea that people want to support artists, but for me it's when it's, when it's like, well, we don't really know what we get for this, and, and we're hoping it turns into so much more, but maybe it won't. You, you know where it probably comes from for me? I've just thought about this. Because, and it, this thought just flashed in my head was I had a massive issue in the church. Um, there was there was a group amongst the church, mostly Pentecostals, who uh, it was called the Prosperity Gospel Movement. And it was this idea that this and it isn't the same, but this is, I think, where some of that reservation comes from, is I saw in South Africa loads of poor people coming to church on Sundays, being told that, hey, if you give God money that maybe you can't afford, God will give it back to you tenfold. And preachers yelling this at them, um, that if they don't do it, they're not faithful people, plunging them into deeper and deeper poverty so some asshole pastor could walk around with a Rolex and drive a fancy car. And it worked over and over Mm. and over again. And I can't tell you, it's one of the reasons I walked away from the church. I can't tell you how furious that made me. And, And there's this is not the same. I understand that. But there's there's a tiny element of it that I know that if I decided to load up NFTs, I could use my influence because I have an audience to say, "Hey, you should you should uh, you should give me a bunch of money for this because this is, you know, this is me and you you know me and you support me." And people might be tempted to put down more money than they can afford thinking that actually it's going to come back to them tenfold, like God, like God will give them right. lots of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's it's that like no one's telling them that except lots of people are telling them that because they're saying Ethereum's going to go up over time. So there's no religious element, but they are thinking I'm going to get lots of money back for this and they're taking a risk and I'm walking away like that rich asshole pastor. And I, I just, even though it's not that, and I understand it, it has too many elements of the same thing. And I would feel awful if if anybody, I, I found out that anybody decided to put lots of money down on, on, on an NFT that I put up that they couldn't necessarily afford because they assumed that it would come back to them hugely later. And, they, and, the, and it just didn't. And they lost a bunch of money. And I walked away smiling. I would feel sick. So I just don't really want to, get involved with it you know i think that's part of it that's a really interesting parallel i i hadn't i hadn't thought of that it's not the same and it's such a personal thing for me mm-hmm. like i understand for most people that would be a ridiculous argument but that that's a very real world i came out of right and so even if something feels half as similar as that i'm backing away and i also have to be honest that like i've got a degree of influence because of what i do Mm-hmm. And that people might be tempted to support beyond their means because they think they're doing me a favor. Yeah. And I think there's a bit of a responsibility that I put on myself personally for that. And when, when it's not clear what you're getting, like I'm fine to put up a book of photography every year and tell you, hey, pay me 20 quid for this because I think it's worth it. And you get the book and you give me 20 quid. It's a clear interaction. We know exactly what's going on. And I'm not going to bankrupt anybody with that. But But this NFT thing... I could, and it's not my decision. And I, look, it's their own responsibility. I understand that. It's not my responsibility. 
but I'm also kind of giving myself a little bit. And that's probably why I'm backing off. It is another reason I'm backing off anyway. Gosh, we're going to get emails. <laughs> I hope so. I would love to get questions. If you've got questions, if you've got, you know, commentary, send it to us, deepnatter at gmail.com, because I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm still on the cusp of, of understanding this. And I feel like there is potential in there somewhere, but I think the, the, the rush right now is on return on investment. Yeah. Not if we're being honest with ourselves, not what it really is going to do for art. Because if all you really wanted to do was support an artist, I promise you, you've been able to do that for, you know, hundreds of years. But this feels different because it is largely based on a return on investment. And, and let's be honest, a lot of the things that are selling, at least what, you know, I think you alluded to it earlier, that I've seen, it's not great work. Let's be honest about it. <laughs> it's not great work. I mean, are there great pictures out there that are, the, that are being added and are, are there great pieces of art? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But there's not a consistency in, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, in the quality of the work relative to what kind of sale price that that work has achieved. Mm. I think your roundtable idea is brilliant. Like, and I, the, the only thing I'd add is let's, if, if we could get on like a photographer who really knows why they don't want to be involved and a photographer who is involved and, and knows the good side of it, we agree to have a civil conversation and then maybe a lawyer who can talk to us about property rights and what people are actually getting with their NFT and clear all that mm -hmm. stuff. I think that'd be a mm -hmm. fascinating conversation. People would be interested. I do too. Because I don't understand. I, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be really interesting. I just agree. We're not arguing about this because it's not worth arguing about. We're just trying to understand all sides, you know. Where do you land on the whole NFT, blockchain, cryptocurrency thing? Let us know by sending an email or better yet, record us a voice memo on your phone and email it to deepnatter at gmail.com. Subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris, everything in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear and you want to support the show, you can leave a review or a rating wherever you listen, share it on social media, or to more directly support the costs of producing the shows, consider tapping the donate button at jeffreysadoris.com. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S.com. And to those of you who've already contributed, thank you so much. It really does make a difference, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K. On his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sidoris. And as always, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you choosing this episode of Deep Natter and we hope you'll come back for the next one. <laughs>